You like Fireboy? I do. You're listening to Your Tables on Fire. A weekly conversation with the hottest game designers on Kickstarter. Here comes your host, Jeff Beck. Thanks for tuning in to Your Tables on Fire. This is episode number 23. Episode number 23 is sponsored by Uproarious Games with their upcoming game, Word Domination, a clever combination of word building and area control, soon to be on Kickstarter. Go take a look at www.uproariousgames.com. Okay, well, we've all played a million and one zombie games. Now it's Cthulhu games, so sometimes you just need a break, something a little more refreshing. And so that brings me to tonight's guest. We have Jason Kotarski, the founder of Green Couch Games and the publisher of Rocky Road a la Mode. Jason, welcome to your Tables on Fire. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for making it. We're glad to have you here. Uh, to kick things off, why don't you take a minute and just introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, so I love board games and card games. I actually lean towards um, smaller, quicker, more portable games. That's kind of my passion. I uh, got into games in early 2000s when my wife introduced me to Settlers of Catan, and I was looking for a new hobby after I was kind of uh, retiring my uh, punk rock uh, road warrior days um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to be at home more. And um, my wife showed me a game, and I was like, this is the weirdest thing. And then I fell in love, and... Now I uh, I'm a connoisseur of games. Uh, I started with Euros like you know Ticket to Ride and um, Settlers of Catan and Carcassonne and and got into buying just everything I could find. And and the more and more that I bought games, the more I I realized that I loved smaller games. Um, hmm. And I wanted to. Uh, it doesn't take me long to like before I start wanting to contribute to the hobbies that I'm in. Hence, like the punk rock thing. I listened to punk rock and then all of a sudden I had to learn a couple chords so I could start my own band and, and <laughs> did all that stuff. So with gaming, it was similar. I, I saw people's names on the boxes of these games and thought it would be cool to see my name on a box. So um, I started designing games and I got my first game, my first ever design got picked up by Dice Hate Me Games called the Great Heartland Holland Company. And um, just being a part of that whole process just helped me see a little bit like kind of behind the curtain of this world that I love that I was getting into. And, um, I decided that I wanted to continue to pursue that. And, and I, publishing felt like a good fit for me because I like design, but I also like working with other people and I like doing project management from all kinds of different angles. So, um, in 2014, I started green couch games to, uh, make great little games that make great big connections, meaning games that are under, under an hour that are easy to teach that they kind of bridge the gap between casual players and family players and, and good solid fillers for, for gamers, uh, more serious gamers. So I kind of figured out my niche and said, this is what I want to do. And, uh, launched green couch games with our first title Fidelitas, uh, back then. So, hmm. and was that first game, was that designed by you or were you already publishing someone else's? That was actually uh, the uh, co-design by myself and Philip Dubarry, who designed Revolution for Steve Jackson Games and Spirits of the Rice Paddy for Ape Games and 
eminent domain battle cruisers for Tasty Mitchell. He's a he's a pretty prolific designer, and we connected online, and I was working on an idea, and we started bouncing that idea back and forth, and then we said let's let's take a, a real crack at this and co-design it and and fleshed it out, and we pitched it to a to a publisher that was looking at it pretty seriously, but that really slowed down at about the same time that I was. Uh, deciding that I was thinking I wanted to try my hand at publishing. So I'm like, hey, this one's ready to go, and it fits kind of the aesthetic of everything that I want to do. And and uh, he said, yeah, let's do that. I trust you to, to take our game to the next level. So, uh, yeah, so that was a co-design. That's the only one that I have uh, designed or had a hand in design specifically in my – now I'm on my sixth game right now. So, wow. yeah. So that first launch, was it everything you expected it to be? Was it completely different? I mean, because you had had a game published, so you had some experience with the process. Yeah, yeah. So I had I had the one game published, and then I had um, another game under contract, which uh, came out a little bit later with uh, Crash Games called Dead Drop. And then I had, you know, tried the the traditional route with uh, a European publisher that did a small card game of mine. So I was kind of dipping my toes into everything and trying to learn a little bit of um, how different people were doing the whole process. And uh, I, I had been watching Kickstarter and and really like just uh, just watching behind the the scenes and kind of like asking a lot of questions. And um, Chris Kirkman from Dice Hate Me was really open and and helpful to me when I was asking questions. He just invited me to be a part of the process of developing our game together. And then um, that helped me get that knowledge base of, of going into Kickstarter. So, and, and Kickstarter was kind of booming in 2014 and I mean, it still is, but it's, it's, you know, it goes through its, you know, changes, it's ups and downs and all that. But um, so I felt pretty good going into it. And I, I learned some lessons, like one of the key things that, that I, I really wanted to do is I paid an artist to almost complete the game. 90% of the game was done with art and graphic design. It had been tested so many times at that point. Like I wanted to go in showing people that I meant business, that I had put my time in, because I was a new company, so I wanted to look as good as the people who were who had been doing it for years. So um, I spent a lot of time on that end. And then really went out there and pushed hard for marketing, and and we ended up doing thirty nine thousand dollars on a nineteen dollar card game. Wow! Uh, so that was yeah, just over just under two thousand backers for my first project. So that was more than I expected, and and <laughs> it's it's really tough when that happens because then I have this thing where like I, I'm I'm looking to that right, like I want that to happen with every campaign, but like right. some campaigns connect more than others, and like I'm just putting out games I love. So some of them connect with a wider audience, some are connecting with a smaller audience, and the Kickstarter audience has changed. There's some backer fatigue out there and all that, you know. There's a lot of projects to throw your money at. So I've had some that, that have funded and done well and have a great audience supporting them and around them, but, you know, they didn't, like, rock like the first two I did. So, like, I, you know, I, I questioned my identity and what did I do wrong and all that. But, like, you know, it's just a lot of it's timing and, and a lot of it's just finding that right moment and, and sometimes you get lucky lucky is usually better when you've put a whole lot of work into it <laughs> um, so yeah it went really well that first campaign was was awesome and i realized that i enjoyed it and i was pretty good at it so i said okay that was an experiment like i didn't want to get too serious about saying this is a company like you know like it was a company but like it was a hobby and an experiment for that first game. And after that game, I'm like, yeah, this is a thing that I'm going to keep doing. So uh, it was a really good kind of launching point for Green Couch Games. Yeah, I guess so. And, and now you mentioned that lighter, smaller games were, were kind of your thing. What is it about those smaller games that really speaks to you? Uh, to me, I think I think it's about like 
playing games isn't just about like manipulating objects and trying to win for me, right? Like it's, I'm a, I'm a very kind of social person at times. I, I toe the line like between extrovert and introvert. Like I, I love it. I love being around people. I love connecting with people until I'm done. And then I want to just go and sit in my house and not talk to anybody for a while, you know, kind of like go retreat to my cave. But um, I like to, uh, I like to be with people. I like to have something to do that kind of is like games are like this social lubricant, you know, like they, they bring people together. You learn about people through the ways that they play. And, um, in this, in that sense, like games, small games, quick games that are easy to teach, like they can be the thing that, that you're coming together around, but they're not the only thing that's happening, you know, or not, you know, you can be a little more casual about it when you want to be, um, and, and it can be more of a social experience. So like that, I, I, f- I still, I still find that in, in the Euro games, but like, I really just, um, and, and I like family level Euro games. Like I like the ones that are like an hour, hour and a half. I just played Emotep and Karuba, like, which I thought were great games. I love, Finca is one of my, one of my favorite Euros, kind of like the lighter side of Euro games. I still really, really like, but, um, mm-hmm. just pulling out a card game and being like, this is going to take you two minutes to learn no setup time or minimal setup time. And we're going to be in it so we can get down with this game and, and maybe you know, explore another idea after that, or just kind of, you know, get that connection kind of going. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that's what, like, that's something about those small games is that they're, just, they're so easy and pro- approachable to get into, but there's still so many innovative ideas and cleverness, like in these little games so um i just see that as a place that like constraints help me as a designer and as a creative person so like smaller makes me think and challenges me to say what can i do on a small level that still is meaningful uh gameplay wise and for like the people that are sitting around the table with you Mm -hmm. we all know great heartland hauling company was that your very very first game like literally that you ever sat down with a piece of paper and pencil and said (laughs) i'm gonna do this yeah it actually was uh that's amazing dude tell me about it like another it's like that first kickstarter campaign you know you strike gold and you're like man yeah this is gonna be easy it's all you know (laughs) just uh, we're just gonna keep cruising forever yeah that was that was a game that i worked at a shipping and receiving uh in a shipping and receiving of a bookstore uh and i was talking to truck drivers all the time we had a conversation that like sparked something in me and i was like oh this is like a one of those cool board games that I like. So then I went home and like, I got out a deck of cards and like tore apart some other games that I had sitting around that I picked up at, you know, Goodwill and actually some game pieces I had to be collecting just in case I came up with a game design. Like I knew I wanted to make a game, but like, I didn't know like how to, or like have any idea or anytime I would try, I'd be like, Oh, that's, I just played that game last week. You know, it was like nothing original. So, um, I sat down and, and had this idea about trucking and and played with some cards and some cubes and some paper cutouts that I made for about an hour. And then I'm like, I took it to my wife and said, will you try this with me and tell me if it's a game? <laughs> and, uh, and we were able to play it, this crude prototype. And at the end, she's like, that's not just a game. Like, that's a fun game. Like... So I was I was super excited, and at the time there was uh, the Rio Grande um, was having game design contests every year that coincided with the Chicago Toy and Game Fair, and they had regional events. So I signed up for one and went to the Ann Arbor event and play tested it with the public. And the winner of each event was going to get a chance to meet with Jay Tumbleson in Chicago and pitch it, pitch games to Jay. So um, I got second place by like two points. Uh, and almost had wow. that chance to like pitch it to, to Rio Grande, which at the time that was like my favorite company. They're one of the biggest, you know, names in the, in the game and for, for the Euro kind of hobby, you know, games. 
and I didn't get to go, but I was like, this is cool. There's something to this. And this was a lot of fun. I, I like, I played my prototype with people and they were like, when can I buy this? I want this game for Christmas. And I'm like, well, I didn't, I'm, I don't know how to do that yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, but it was really encouraging. And, and, and then I shopped the game around and, um, signed with a, a publisher called Cambridge Games Factory who put out Gloria Rome and they did kind of these quirky little games in plastic clamshells, but they were one of the first big, big Kickstarters with the Gloria to Rome Kickstarter and things started going a little strange with that and I got nervous that my game wasn't ever going to come out so I asked them if I could have the rights back to it and they were gracious and gave it back to me and then after that uh actually that weekend I showed it to uh Chris Kirkman uh from Dice Hate Me and and Sherilyn and they loved it and they said we want to do this game so the timing was awesome and like I watched what they were doing and it was great and they were right on the like edge of like just, I don't know, being at the heart of this indie game space. And, and, uh, yeah. So I just like one thing after another was like, yeah, this is cool. I'm going to keep just traveling this road and see where it goes. So now we're, um, I just got word that the, uh, the third printing of great Harlan Holland companies arrived at the greater than games warehouse and should be out for Gen uh-huh. Con. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. I, I, I still just can't believe that's your very first attempt even that's, <laughs> That kind of is sickening, if anything. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it's, it was, it's a cool story, and um, you know, I've, I've had a few games since then, and like they've connected in different ways with different audiences, and it's not every game idea isn't as easy as that one. I've got plenty that have ended up in a box, on, in a closet, or a couple that have even ended up in the garbage, like. <laughs> And not not because it wasn't good, but because like I was working on a game and like a very very similar game showed up on Kickstarter, and it was like too similar to even like look at again. So I'm like I was so mad that day, and I just tossed my awesome prototype and pouted for a while. <laughs> let's shift gears here a little bit, and let's talk about Rocky Road All Mode. Yes, the current game you guys have on Kickstarter, and let's start off by for those that aren't familiar with the game. Give us the rundown. Yeah, Rocky Road a la mode. It's a, uh, it's a game for two to four players. And the heart of the game is that you are an ice cream truck driver trying to deliver your sweet treats to the neighborhood people to um, fulfill their demands and desires and to show that you are the best of the best when it comes to driving your uh your little rocky road treat truck around the neighborhood and so much so that you get to know your customers better so you have what they need to fulfill their desires all the time and then eventually you get a chance to take over uh, certain territories that that are very profitable for you and gain customer loyalty so that's the kind of the fluffy story you know but uh (laughs) the heart of the game is that you um there's a time track, which is a, it's a board of road spaces, and you have a uh, truck meeple that um, moves around this this rocky road circle. And everything you do, it costs time in the game. There's a set of treat cards and some location cards. And the, the treat cards are multi-use cards that have different elements on them. And one of them is the treat type. So there's three different treat types. There's popsicles and ice cream cones and push pops. 
there's a uh, time icon that, that is a speaker. It shows how much time you're going to spend playing music to attract customers, and they're numbered one, two, three. And then there's two sets of uh, customers on there who have different treat demands that they want, as well as some point information and stuff for your permanent supply. So on your turn, you decide you can you can do three different things. You can um, draw cards, and you decide how many cards you're going to draw ahead of time and then you move your truck forward that many spaces on the time track it's only your turn when you're in the back of the time track if you're tied on the same spot as the person on the back the person on top goes first so it's similar to something like patchwork or tokaido where the it's it's not um you know clockwise around the table it's whoever manages their their actions more efficiently it's their turn uh, so you can draw cards, you can call a customer to your truck, you have a little ice cream truck card in front of you, and you play a card down in front of you, and they are customers that have lined up at your truck, and you move forward spaces on the time track according to the, the number of time that it takes to attract them, so that one, two, or three. And then once you have a customer group waiting at your truck, you collect the cards for their treat types, which you can then um, discard sets of them to fulfill those demands, and you fulfill the first group and slide the card up under, so now the next group is visible and ready for their treats and then you discard a second set and once you've uh, fulfilled the the second group's demands you turn the card uh, around so the bottom portion um, sticks out of the back of your truck card and it has some loyalty points that you've earned or some stuff in your permanent supply which is a little bit of engine building where you um you might get an ice cream cone in your truck and now next time you have a group that wants ice cream cones it's a little bit easier to fulfill that group and once you get sets of those uh, either all the same uh, three of the same or three different you, you can claim locations that are worth some extra loyalty points like the pool and the, the park and um, the ball fields like are your your kind of locations that you're trying to take over by building up your supply so it's a game that is pretty approachable and it takes about 20 to 30 minutes to play but it has some meaty, crunchy little decisions in it. So it feels like a bigger experience than what it looks like because of the kind of bright, colorful, light theme. But, you know, I think we hit something pretty universal with people like ice cream and people like fun card games. But, it, but it's not just fluff. It's, it's, it's got some really cool stuff going on in the game. So have you been involved since the very beginning? Uh pretty much yeah um there was another another publisher chris kirkman was interested in the game too and we talked a little bit about that we're luckily we're friends and i just said hey i'd love to do this game and he's like well i was thinking about it but i can't get to it for a while and it fits perfectly with what you're doing so why don't you go ahead and and do it and i'm like oh cool yeah that's that makes this a little bit easier so shortly after that we yeah, we just kept, we went back and forth, and you know had to you know make some tweaks here with math and boring stuff, and um, kind of mm-hmm. just decide on you know how to tighten things up, and you know finding an artist and making you know plans for the future, getting feedback from testers. Um, we both went to Unpub, the Unpublished Games Festival in Baltimore. This uh, I guess it was February, and he had a table there where we you know tested the game with a with a bunch of different um, game designers and play testers, and and kind of did some fine tuning there. And um, yeah, so that was kind of the a little bit of the process that went into it. Like the the one of the things that that I I really do like is I like that whole like that whole thing I mentioned earlier, the project management thing. So I like um, working on the, the game itself to like fine tune it. I like making decisions about who's the artist going to be, who's, what's the timeline look like? Like how do we get this out there to reviewers and bloggers and play testers? And um, like, how do we really connect this story with people? Like, and then 
working with the manufacturers and stuff, you know, getting quotes and figuring out how to present the game, how to fit it into my box that's a little bit too small that, that I like to keep it portable. Like all those kind of problems I like to work on. So yeah, so we've been kind of hammering away on that since since last uh, October, November, when we uh, made it official that I was going to do the game. Yeah, well, so let me ask you, I mean, you were talking a little bit about playtesting. How much has the game evolved since you first saw it to where it is today? Yeah, um, you know, like the, the core is still there. Like the core was pretty is pretty intact from that first inter- iteration, but it was just a matter of figuring out like how to balance the 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 customers and how much time to spend. And we added a second layer of locations. So the first set of locations is like the you know the beach, the 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 park, the pool, and the ball fields, and they all have um, different points on them. But the the problem we ran into was that several people would be working on the same one. Like they needed three push pops to get the the pool. Right. And they'd be like one turn away from getting it. And it's worth like four points. And the person right before them would snatch that third push pop right before them. And they were working towards that ending the whole game. And now they get nothing because they got snatched out from under them. And we thought for like the level of game that we're having, that we wanted to make, that we were wanting to kind of bridge the gap between the casual that felt a little too cutthroat and nasty. So now we have two layers of those cards. So the first one is worth four points and the second one is worth two. So there's a booby prize, you know, Um, (laughs) like if you're working on it, you can still get something. It's still worth it to finish it rather than just abort it all together. And that was like a big fix that we felt like was in the spirit of what the game needed. Like it worked okay before, but we'd like, how can we make this fit the audience that we're going after more and make it a little more friendly? So that was, that was one of the big evolutions. You know, we we're right now, it was, it was just this, you know, it's 54 cards, the whole game, and then a few tokens. So um, we're still working within those constraints, but through Kickstarter, we're able to, you know, uh, upgrade some stuff to to like a folding board instead of a board that is made of four separate cards, which is great for portability, but um, right. just a, you know, kind of better better user interface, their better game experience when you, when you can kind of have a little more hands-on stuff. So um, a lot of that kind of stuff has went into it. Like we went back and forth about what shape to make the trucks because they need to stack but they need to sell they need to read like this is an ice cream truck and not a random block of wood that is just going to sit there so like that that kind of production stuff was was something else that we had to test and go back and forth on and then just just numbers you know a couple things had to be got to be had to be tweaked because it was out of hand and but yeah Josh came and just the, like some sometimes a design like clicks in the development process like is easier to navigate because the core is so solid and that was kind of what this what this experience was like for us so now it's pretty polished like you mentioned you're on Kickstarter how are things going for you guys things are going really well this is my fastest funding campaign ever so we, really? yeah, we funded, met our goal of $10,000 in 26 hours. So almost the one day funding, um, mm. in the past, my fastest games were, uh, like three to four days to fund. Um, 
So now it's kind of hit that middle of the campaign slump where we're consistently um, gaining new backers and moving towards unlocking stretch goals. We're working on our third stretch goal right now. Um, the first one was to upgrade from wooden discs to these cool stackable trucks that really add a neat new dimension to, to the feel of the game. And then to add some more punch board tokens that are kind of a variability thing uh, that add different ways to play and some, some more options for just having a different experience every game. And then... We are now working on the third stretch goal, which is a folding board. So people are really connecting it. The people that are there love it and are, are pretty vocal supporters of it. And um, we we are having a, having a good time and we still have 20 days left. So we're 10 days in and, and things are going smoothly so far. Yeah, that's great. What do you, what do you attribute that rapid success to? Um, I, think, I think the timing of everything was, was really good this time. Josh and I were able to take it to Unpub and test it there in front of a lot of people who um, there's influencers who show up there, you know, bloggers and, and other game designers that they gave us good feedback and enjoyed the game. It gave us a lot of confidence. And then last weekend I was at Origins and um, I had a, a booth space at the Foam Brain uh, Games uh, booth and was selling my games and uh, promoting the game and showing the game off to different people and and again, it was just really good feedback, and it was the the weekend before launch. So we decided to launch on Monday, the 20th of June, which it was the first day of summer this year. So I got to promote, hey, get, come get ice cream the first day of summer, you know. And, uh, right. and it really was kind of a silly little thing that just all worked out. Um, so I think that, that the timing stuff was really important this time because I did a lot of the same stuff. I connected with bloggers and reviewers in advance and made sure that I had people that wanted to play the game that would write about it for launch week. You know, I had been pointing people towards artwork on Board Game Geek to kind of get uh, the image was on the hotness for about a week, the cover image. So people were looking at this little cute cover with um, Adam McIver did the art and it's amazing. So it's it's got this really cool shelf appeal and like colorful, fun art that like is different than um, than what you see a lot in the game space, I think. So I think it really grabs people's attention that way. And then when they looked at the page, like they see, wow, there's some meat to this game, you know. So um, I think we're able to just kind of funnel that in the right way from like, hey, here's a cool, I cool looking idea to here's an actual cool idea. And um, and all the timing of it really worked out. So and this is my sixth campaign for games. So um, I think that that I'm getting better at knowing how to run a campaign and my ways of doing it everybody doesn't have to do it the same and i know my strengths and the things that i can i can handle and i can pull off and and i work that so mm -hmm. now you're doing something unique that i don't think i've seen before where you have a, a second game that's kind of built in uh, <laughs> dice cream yeah yeah rocky road dice cream it's um this is a cool thing my, my buddy nat levan um he is a game designer who he made um, New Bedford for for Dice Hate Me that's getting ready to come out. He he really enjoys making these little one card micro games. It's just something that he does as a hobby. He sees an idea, one of his friends makes a game, and he he takes it and boils it down to like, how can I make this experience work with one card and minimal components? He did that with his <laughs> own game. So he came to us at Unpub. He had told us he was working on. Uh, Rocky Road a la mode after he played Josh's prototype a little bit earlier in the year and he liked it. So he showed up and he's like, so here it is. I want you guys to play this. And it was one card and like a couple, you know, teeny tiny punch board things and three um, 12 millimeter dice. 
and we played it and we're like, oh my goodness, this is like, it captures so much of the feel of this game, but it's a different experience and it's quick and it's only for two players. So um, we were able to work out a deal where um, Matt um, licensed that to us and and made it a part of this campaign as a promotional game. So um, these are going to be hand assembled. They're going to be really nice quality cards and quality components, but they're going to be assembled in like a Ziploc bag for this run and people can add them onto their their basic pledge of the game for an additional six dollars and get a little uh get a little more game for their uh for their thing that's you see that's one of the one of the biggest challenges about my games it is hard to raise ten to fifteen thousand dollars for a card game when you're doing that nineteen dollars at a time right Right. like that requires like 750 backers at like a 19 dollar to get to like 10 or twelve thousand. i can't do the math right now but it's something in that range so that's really hard because the average that, that most game makers get, um, unless they're the crazy successful ones, are like three to 400. So I'm saying, okay, so my basic funding level has to be double the average. So that's a challenge. <laughs> um, so then uh, in a couple last campaigns, we did a deluxe version of the game where they can get a custom, uh, like a, a play mat that, that added something to the game. And that was really helpful because it, it it gave people who wanted to give more to our campaign something to give it to. Like it's different to say like, I man, I really like this game. I'm all in, and and all in like is nineteen dollars, right? Like <laughs> that's what people see. But like if they if they want to be all in and they see something that's like at that thirty dollar level, then that's only a little bit extra, you know. But it gets them something really cool, and they get to show right. more support. So um, that was actually Ben Ben Haskett who did um, some games. He did Tower. He, he was the one who kind of said, you know what, like you have people that want to support you more, but you don't give them an opportunity. So that was kind of where we started looking at like the added value for, for the, cause that was a problem I was, I was wrestling with. It was like, how do I, how do I add more value to get to that funding level in a reasonable amount of time? So yeah, so Nat's game, when he showed it to us, like, Hey, it's a really fun game and uh, people can print it and play it too. We're, we're doing a thing, a little promotion called dice cream social. So it's a, it's, if you print it, you play it, you invite friends over and serve them some sweet treats and tweet a picture along with their Kickstarter campaign and the hashtag dice cream social. You can have a chance to win a green couch games t-shirt. I'll draw five names after the campaign's over, but, um, just to get people like, Hey, like print this game. Like, it's one thing to print a 54-card game and cut it out and, you know, like, sleeve it and, and give it a try. You can do that. That's available on, on our on our page, too. But it's another thing to be like, hey, you can print one card and give this game a go. You'll be playing this game in 10 minutes if you want to. Hmm. That's cool. That's very clever. So now that you are well past your initial goal, what's keeping <laughs> you up at night? Um, I'm getting ready to move across the state of Michigan. Um <laughs> So we're like, we bought a house, we're getting our house ready for the market, we're waiting to close, we're packing everything up. Then I decided, hey, I'll go to work, and then I will also uh, run a Kickstarter campaign in here. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I got plenty of stuff keeping me up. But, I mean, I'm really just enjoying the Kickstarter campaign. You know, the the first one I did, I'm stressed. Like, I'm looking at my phone every 10 minutes, and I'm like, I can't wait. Like, if somebody comments, I need to comment within, like, 10 minutes because I need to show them that I'm here and I'm present. And now I'm like, yeah. I will communicate with them like a normal human being, you know, like, and, and, and that seems to work just as well. So, um, 
I, you know, just like that high, like, I don't want to drop the ball in this first campaign. And now, you know, I've learned a little bit more and, and I've learned what I need to stay healthy as a human being, you know, and not be totally attached to the Kickstarter app. And I'm going to respond timely, but I, I have a life that is happening in, in addition to making games, which is, that's a huge part of my life, but it's not the only thing in my life. So I got to focus on all those fronts. That's, that's pretty good advice because... <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I've talked to plenty of people who are like, ah, you know, I can't sleep the entire month. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And it, and it is stressful. Like, and, um, I don't know, like I, I have this thing where like, I get super excited and passionate about this game, right? Like this is like an extension of me in some ways. And I do have to separate myself from like, this is just the thing that I'm making. It's a, it's a product and it's an, it's going to create experiences. People are going to love it. People are going to hate it. I love it. It's cool. We're going to put it out there and see what it does. But like, and it's there's so much emotional energy in like building up to launch and then that successful few days um like you know those first few days of the campaign the last few days are like always the best days of the campaign and then there's the middle right and the middle is just like normal life just hanging on and that's when you have to do all this like soul searching right you have to be like oh my gosh what am i doing why doesn't anybody like me why are people not throwing their money at this project it's so good so like <laughs> that's a real challenge because it's like this like this you're at the highest of highs and then you're kind of down in the dumps and you're like okay well, what is going to keep me going well just like just do the work right like what are the tasks you can do today that will move things forward even though it's not making huge progress it is still making progress and uh and it counts and i mean we're up to 600 backers right now um so I am very pleased with that. I mean, that's enough to get the game printed right now. And um, and more people are still connecting with it. There's people who haven't found it yet. There's people that wait to the last minute. Um, so that is that is like all these little things I have to keep like coaching myself and telling myself and reminding myself that it's okay and there's work to be done. So just divide it up into chunks and do it. Um, and then you have something to focus on instead of like your, your, uh, your insecurities. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, Jason, it's time to spring the surprise. Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, here it comes, which is this, this whole podcast is actually just a ruse. Uh-oh. Because what we really do here is play the game design challenge. Uh-oh. <laughs> and the game design challenge works like this. I pick a random game theme, and then I give it to you, and then you mold over and pitch back to me what that game might be. All right. All right. So just, you know, I'll just off the cuff, okay. think about okay. it a little bit, and let's see what you got. All right. I'm ready. Let's do this. All right. <laughs> Here we go. So a random theme, which is going to be... Marionettes off their strings. Marionettes. That sounds terrifying to start. <laughs> <laughs> this is like every B horror movie ever. Um, it all right. could be a happy thing. It could be Pinocchio. <laughs> oh, it could be. But, you know. I don't know. I think Pinocchio is pretty scary too, right? Like, <laughs> that's Fair a point. boy, a wooden boy who talks, right? And there's a whale. So <laughs> right, a giant out. whale that eats people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, marionettes. All right, so uh, let's let's see. I think that this game it has to fit in a small box okay. um, because that's what I like. So it's gonna that's be fair. it's gonna be mostly cards. 
and off their strings. Okay, so I think that the box like is some kind of cool fold-out box that you oh. open in order to make a puppet screen in front of you. So ah. one player, one player plays the puppet master, and all the other players play the audience. Okay. Uh-huh. All yes. right. So I, as the puppet master, am behind my little screen with marionette cards, okay. and all of the audience members um, are holding sets of cards that are like refreshments and program cards and money cards. Maybe it's the things that they're personal belonging. Maybe it's the things that are in their pockets, you know, like a, a beloved uh, pocket watch or something like that. And me, as the puppet master, um, I found a way to awaken and release my marionettes. So I will play uh, sets of cards. It's a little, maybe there's a little storytelling here, right? Because I want to keep the audience captive. And uh, they have these random items that they can interrupt the story with to kind of help direct the narrative. But when I'm able to connect the dots of uh, getting a certain amount of cards in play, maybe they have matching symbols on them or something. There's like the, oh, that's good, like the uh, the comedy and drama faces in them in, are like an icon, a suit icon. Right. And if I can like tell a story of a certain amount of either dramatic things in a row or comedic things in a row, um, then I get to take remaining cards in my hand. Maybe I have 10 cards in my hand to start with that match that symbol and try to uh, toss them out from behind my screen to hit targets of the cards that have been played in front of me by the audience members to because uh, I send my marionettes out to steal things uh-huh. while they're while they're enthralled by the puppet show. <laughs> so there's storytelling, there's set collection, there's dexterity, and you want to if you end up with cards in front of you in your tableau of things you've added to the story, maybe the story kind of on your person item cards have point values on them depending on how weird they are, right? Like if you can get this weird item into the story and on the table, then it's worth more. So if I'm unable to connect that story, uh, or I'm sorry, to steal that with one of my flying marionettes, uh, then I get the points for it. But at the end of the game, after I've run out of cards or we've run out of time somehow, then you get the points for adding to the experience and getting away with your beloved items that you had on your person. <laughs> so that, I think, is marionettes off their strings. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that, that was incredible. <laughs> Are you sure you're not working on this game right now? Because, I mean... I've never heard a polished game, you know, that, that level of completion. I think I that might have amazing. to work on that game. I mean, the art could be amazing. Like, yeah. Somebody illustrating and then the screen, like the curtain. Oh, man, this is good. This is good. Wow. Yeah. And you could you could kind of combine that, like, you know, cutesy, happy little kid thing. But then, like, maybe on the, the flip side of the card, you have, like, this super creepy marionette coming to get you, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And maybe they have to land either face up or face down, depending on certain items. So when you're, oh, yeah. I don't know, that's just another layer. That's the that's the advanced variant. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Wow. Okay, I'll tell you what. As soon as you launch this project, let me know. I'm, I'll be your first backer. No awesome. question. Awesome. I will definitely keep you posted, Jeff. <laughs> uh, well, Jason, it's been a pleasure speaking with you this evening. Well, thank you. It's been really cool to chat with you, too. I appreciate you letting me, to tell, my, letting me tell my story a little bit. And uh, I like it when people ask questions about me. It's easy to talk about. <laughs> well, you're a pro at it, so... <laughs> Well, and best of luck with Rocky Road All Mode and the rest of the campaign. Uh, thank you so much. Okay. We'll talk to you later. All right. We'll see ya. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that was Jason Katarski, the founder of Green Couch Games and the publisher of Rocky Road All Mode, currently on Kickstarter. Thanks for listening to Your Tables on Fire. This episode was sponsored by Uproarious Games with their upcoming game, Word Domination. Are you an aspiring supervillain with plans to take over the world? Well, now you can do it just by spelling. Go check out the game Word Domination at www.uproariousgames.com. As long as you're in your browser, go check out our website, www.yourtablesonfire.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Tablefire. Did you know we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course, Board Game Geek? Hit us up on any of those sites and give us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Well, until next time, go light it up.